Hey guys, this is Joe. No such thing as bad student, only bad teacher. What's up guys, Derek? Fear does not exist in this dojo, does it? This is it. This is the end of the line. Telling me. Did I tell you about the pool here? For Daniel LaRusso. Is this the only pool you guys got? The future seemed far from terrific. This place is a dump. You should go back to New Jersey. Hey, I know it's hard, but we're not quitters, are we? Until I... he met the hey, right girl. She's beautiful. I say she's beautiful. I think she's beautiful. <laughs> is that your address? You got it. But that only angered the wrong guy. Uh, 930. Definitely. You gotta be nuts. And his troubles really began. Then, in one man, he found a teacher. I promise teach karate. And a friend. Fighting always last answer. How did you do that? Don't know. First time. Power. Whole body. Make a perfect picture. How do I know if my picture's the right one? If come from inside of you, always right on. Lesson about the balance, not just karate. Lesson for all life. Why drink? So I won't have to fight. Hey, karate kid, let's take a move. No points or no points. You're dead meat. I don't have much of a cheering section. You got me. In the end, it will be in Daniel's hands. In his body. And most of all, in his mind. Concentrate, focus, power. Remember, balance. No mercy. Columbia Pictures presents The Karate Kid. Hey, what kind of belt do you have? Canvas. You like? <laughs> J.C. Penny, 398. <laughs> You're listening to Worth the Late Fee, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. How you doing, Joe? Not bad, Eric. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, uh, I have to get one thing out of the way. I know I told you via text, but one of my buddies texted me about the over the top episode the other day so i have to give him a shout out what's up brian hopefully you're listening to this one yes thank you for listening sorry yeah. if it's sorry so, <laughs> so i know he, was, he said it was good i think i think like like most people with movie podcasts and i know i'm this way too with other podcasts that i listen to there's going to be some episodes that you pass over because you just have like no connection to that movie but i think right. if it's a an 80s movie or a 90s movie he'll probably be be into it i asked him for a suggestion he's gonna try to think of one so yes hopefully absolutely. as soon as he does i told him we'll we'll, we'll do it but um yeah no I, I like i said i forgot that i i even told you i told him about the podcast so uh, other awesome. than that uh my father got his first dose of the vaccine tonight which i'm pumped about oh awesome yeah yeah what about you anything new Actually, I was. That's one of the things I wrote down is the second dose of the vaccine. I don't yep. think we talked about this because we took that little break uh, last week. But I got the second dose, and it did hit me a little harder. Yeah, I had a fever for the next day for only 24 hours. But after that, smooth sailing, like almost like nothing ever happened. And on March 2nd, I will officially be covered for the uh, for from COVID. So how bad was the fever? 
100 degrees, 100.4. Okay. So it wasn't too no, bad at all. No. no, but that's that's a legit fever. It's, it's a legit like... fever. Yeah. Yeah. But, okay. So I was out of yeah. commission, but my coworker only got a headache. So again, <clears throat> it all depends on, I guess, how your body reacts to it. Right. My, my, uh, hopefully she doesn't listen to this episode. My, my, uh, wife was telling me about how her, like how her, uh, some members of her family reacted and they were like, you know, saying it was, they had a hard time with it. And I was like, you, you're, you come from a long line of big babies. I'm not trying to be a, <laughs> my, my, specifically my wife and her mother have the lowest like pain tolerance of anyone I've ever met in my entire life. So they're, they can be a little dramatic. They would, they would tell you that themselves too. They wouldn't want to hear it about this, but they would tell you that. So it gave me a good reason though to just binge watch Fresh Prince of Bel Air, which you'll be, which you'd appreciate. There's, so there's always a good, a, good a good reason for that. So <laughs> yep, on VH1, VH1, yep. Dude, yep. I love what VH1 has like turned into. It's I I like a lot of mornings getting ready for work. I'm either watching like Fresh Prince or Martin or like it plays like the shows of my my childhood. I know I've said this before on the podcast, but if if you lined up the stuff I watched as a kid with and then like put it next to a picture of me it'd be like really like because i i was just obsessed with like all the stuff that wasn't aimed at like very white kids from from you know massachusetts like whether it was like martin or in living or living color or or yeah anything fresh prince well fresh prince is more mainstream but yeah, yeah. so um we've been watching anything good or i've been actually watching cobra kai i'm watching cobra right. kai so yeah like even before we chose this i was already kind of watching it so it was nice to, because I haven't watched, I watched this a while back before the series was premiering on YouTube. Now it's on yep. Netflix. Yep. Um, so it's kind of nice to revisit this after watching the first season, which this show is very much revolves around the first movie more than anything else. Yep. Um, so I haven't seen nice. any, I haven't seen any of Cobra Kai, so. Okay, well, if you like these, <laughs> if you like these movies, specifically the first Karate Kid, you are going to love Cobra Kai. What That's they what do, I've heard. Yeah, you, what they do with these characters, they role reverse you're always rooting for one character then you're voting for the other character like they're constantly like they're not making it easy for you to decide which is a good character which is a bad character right it's right. so good it no, might be a, the best that might be the best continuation for anything i've seen honestly like i wish more things that came back 30 years later took uh us took took ideas and notes from this because what they do with it how to continue this series is so well done i think part of that and i haven't seen it but I think part of the trouble that a lot of shows run into with that or movies or whatever is you have to have people that for whatever reason are at a point in their career where they're willing to commit to it. And if you have, like if you have, for example, even um, the new Saved by the Bell, which I somehow haven't watched yet, but I've heard good things. Um, even someone like Mario Lopez, he's too successful to me where like he doesn't need it. You know what I mean? No offense to the karate, the karate kid cast, but I don't think many of them had a ton going on. <laughs> but I, I'll give them credit for one thing. <clears throat> Similar to the Back to the Future cast, they none of them seem ashamed of 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 it. You know, some people are like they get so big for one role or one movie, and they 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 kind of want to put it in the past, and they they don't want to talk about it. The Karate Kid cast, I don't, I mean, I don't know any of them, and I, but from what I've seen, they all seem pretty aware of how lucky they, 
are. Oh, yeah, for sure. And like, and Ralph Macchio, who, uh, who was, who's obviously Danny. Yep. He was always saying, I've had multiple interviews that he was waiting for the rice script to come along to come back to this character because he loves it so much, like you said. Right. So when he saw this, it was it was a good reason to come back. But oh yeah, no, what they do with it is it's just so good. And it's like right. an easy, it's an easy burn. Half hour episodes, ten episodes a season, but it's like it's a really easy binge. How many seasons are there so far? Three right now, I believe. <laughs> uh two on Netflix. Actually they're on Netflix, but the first one, as you know, was on original YouTube before yeah. it got moved to Netflix. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I'll get into speaking of half hour episodes. Before I get into that, so two movies that I watched recently that I have to mention. Rewatched uh, Broken Arrow, which is one of my favorite yes. like '90s <laughs> movies. I don't know why, but like I think it was on TV a lot when my brother and I lived in Stoneham, or maybe my dad like had the VHS or something. But I rewatched that. That's definitely a future episode. Also of a future episode of the pod, obviously. I also rewatched Menace to Society last night. A little bit more serious and kind of depressing, but I've never seen that before. I know what it is. I've never seen it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a it's a heavy movie. It's kind of like rewatching it today. I kind of would call it or compare it to like a Bronx Tale, where it's like a kid telling his story. It's it's similar to Boys in the Hood, not as good as Boys in the Hood in my opinion, but it's similar to Boys in the Hood and kind of darker in a way but definitely a for that genre it's it's a one of the best so but movies aside i really can't talk about what i've been watching without mentioning i've said it many times how brie and i are rewatch or we're watching schitt's creek and we are falling more and more in love with that show and i haven't finished it yet we haven't finished it yet but as of right now it may be my favorite half hour tv show of all time i call it a sitcom or whatever however you want to like categorize it but as far as being funny and make it just like a feel-good show i it might be my favorite of all time it is the first two seasons or two and i don't remember i don't remember where the line was but it's just funny and there's not like you don't really get much depth in the characters and that's that's and i'm not that's not a bad thing but then like the switch flips like a few things happen and you start to really get to know the category uh, characters and the people in it that you thought were just kind of like shallow funny but not not nothing else you're like oh my god like i really i think i love that person like and, and i know i'm the last person on the Shits creek bandwagon but if you haven't watched it or if you've watched the first season or two and you're like oh it's pretty good but you know i don't need to watch it watch like the first finish the first three seasons absolutely unbelievable like you said it's never really like a laugh out loud show but it's funny and it's really heartwarming at times so it's like and that's the best combination like that's what that's what makes you want that's what makes you keep coming back basically is the characters and their their dynamic i see what you're saying that it's not it's not laugh out loud i see i understand what you're saying but i will say without spoiling too much the other day we watched this episode where a certain character gets serenaded by their love interest and the the mother's reaction this one quote that she said i screaming laughing like i was dying 
So, but I get what you're saying. It's not right. It's not like, not like a consistently like this episode right. or you know back to back to back. But it is really good, and I, I love Schitt's Creek. It's and the thing the thing that I think sets it apart from every other show like it is there is no character that is a weak link at all. Right. You know, like one episode, I'm like, oh my god, you know. David's my favorite character. And then you're like, oh my God, Alexis is so funny. It's 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 awesome. But yeah, that show deserves all the awards it got for that yes. final season. Yes. So, but on to the movie. I'm sure you guys heard our quotes. You heard the trailer. Today we'll be discussing uh Karate Kid. Um, and to go with it, I'm drinking not my dojo, uh knowing that IPA from Sloop Brewing. Delicious. So it's perfect. I'll put a picture of it with a can on the Instagram at some point it was my pick uh and honestly the reason i picked it was i was at uh unofficial sponsor of the pod rma in amesbury and i saw this beer and i'd been kind of like thinking about it for a while and i was like well this is just meant to be especially where i was trying to do more 80s movies and everything everything just lined up so um what's your memory of karate kid honestly i don't remember the first time i saw it i know i was younger it was when i was growing up because mr miyagi was like one of those role models that you watch once and the quotes kind of last with you forever um it was i was definitely young i was definitely young and it was at home but i don't remember the exact first time i saw it yeah i'm, I'm kind, of, kind of the same i this movie just i mean this movie came out a, a little less than a year before i was born or something like that so it's been around my entire life literally but even just culturally it's the movie itself has been around but it's also one of the most quoted movies uh, probably for for my generation, especially where I do martial arts now, not karate, but you can't tell someone you do martial arts without them making some karate kid reference or some or quoting some line. So, and I'll be honest, I, I didn't, I didn't go into this with a very positive opinion of karate kid. Like I didn't think that I would, that I disliked it, but I didn't go into it thinking I would really like it. I tried to set that aside though and give it a fair shot. And I think I did give it a fair shot, but um, I didn't grow up with this one like I did a lot of the other 80s movies for whatever reason. And I've seen it a few times, but I think, like I said earlier, it just got quoted so many times. I kind of got sick of it. And uh, for me, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was like my karate, mo- karate movie. That's why I like kicked my brother in the head and stuff, not Karate Kid. <laughs> but yeah, I like I said, I... I really did my best to set aside what I thought of the, of the movie or what I thought I was going to think of it and go into it with an open mind. I think I accomplished that. Do you have any uh, stats as far as how it did financially? Yeah. So the cry kid came out on June 22nd, 1984, having a budget of $8 million, making 130.4 million in the box office. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. <laughs> it was written by Robert Mark Heyman, who wrote, the Fifth Element, which we'll watch at some point during this, oh, during this podcast. What? Not going to be. Not, I might be out that way. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> He's written the Taken films. And most recently, Angel Has Fallen. So his career is still very active. That um, is very. It's surprising that someone. Yeah, that's a yeah. good That's a good run. He has a, he's had a great run. And it was directed by John G. Avildsen, who directed another little motiv- motivational film called Rocky back in the day so yes well well, that brings up a question i was gonna ask what do you like what do you lump this movie in with like if you were i i lumped this movie in with like rocky 
I don't think it's as good as Rocky. No offense to anyone who's a Karate Kid fan, but Karate Kid fan. But I lump it in with like Rocky. I also lump it in with a, a movie we've reviewed in, in, on the podcast, Vision the Quest. Oh, okay. <laughs> not not quite over the top. <laughs> I was kidding with anything else. But, but but Vision Quest, yeah. So do you have any other like either 80s or or even 90s movies that you? I I, I don't know. Uh, I, honestly. Rocky is probably like you said, like that's probably like the biggest comparison when it comes to, like the underdog story and the rise to the top. Um, right. But between the two of them, I would choose Rocky as well. I love Cry Kid, but I would choose Rocky as well just because of more so like I love that story, but I also love the backstory of Sylvester Long during that as well, which really yeah. puts a huge push towards that for me because it's actually like a true underdog story. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah. It's kind of funny how this guy directed two huge motivational films for different generations <laughs> so. yes no it's uh, no, he's got a good good rep, uh good resume do you have anything anything else today sorry i cut you off nope that was that's pretty much it okay yeah so um critically uh to go against pretty much everything i said talking about my memory of the film this is about as classic as it gets when it comes to 80s films i don't know if, if you do a mount rushmore of 80s films this might be on it um if not it's it's right outside of the the top four so 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb, 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, four stars from Roger Ebert. And I have a quote, the Karate Kid was one of the nice surprises of 1984, an exciting, sweet-tempered, heartwarming story with one of the most interesting friendships in a long time. So Roger Ebert is a huge fan of Karate Kid. And like I said, <clears throat> wherever you have this in your you know, top of the 80s list or whatever you want to call it, you can't deny that it's it's it might be it's probably top three as far as most quoted universally across the board because there are some eighties movies that are maybe more aimed at girls and some that are more aimed at guys. But this people that were alive during this gen, this generation remember this movie and they and they love it. So um, you said it came out on June twenty second, eighty four. Yep. Other stuff that was going on in that time, uh, as far as in film. Big films that month gremlin ghostbusters a little bit less great muppets take manhattan a little uh, less great i just said well a little less <laughs> of a you know blockbuster i guess and then bachelor party as well um outside of film we probably mentioned some of these because this, this came out like i said same month as ghostbusters and we already did that but uh born in the usa album released by the boss mr springsteen Video game Tetris was first released in the in Soviet Union. Cindy Lauper gets her first uh, number one hit with Time After Time. I'm pretty sure I mentioned that because I remember when I read this, I was like, why else would I have remembered that? Like, I, I don't talk about Time After Time too often, but in the Celtics beat LA to win the NBA title. That's actually a, really, uh, like, that's actually a love. It's a really, big month. Yeah, it's a really good month. Yep. Yep. Hearns beats uh, Roberto Duran for the light middleweight title, WBC light middleweight title. And then Prince releases the Purple Rain album. Wow. So this was a month. That was a hell of I don't remember. Time. I don't remember what I was. I was reading something and about looking and looking, researching this. And it listed the movies of 1984, not just June of 1984. But if you go back and you look at the top movies from 1984, it might be the greatest it's one of the greatest years ever for film. It's crazy the movies that came out that year. So we should do that sometime. Look into the try to come up with the best year. But yeah, um, do you have a, a back of the DVD summary for Karate Kid? I do. 
So, Daniel moves to Southern California with his mother, Lucille, but quickly finds himself the target of a group of bullies who study karate at the Cobra Kai Dojo. Fortunately, Daniel befriends Mr. Miyagi, an unassuming repairman who just happens to be a martial arts master himself. Miyagi takes Daniel under his wing, training him in a more compassionate form of karate, preparing him to compete against the brutal Cobra Kai. So just when you said it, it made me think, did you think, like, doesn't the cross-country move seem a little bit backwards as far as personality? Like Daniel's kind of like cool. He's laid back. He's kind of smooth talking. He seems more California to me. I mean, the accent, obviously he doesn't have a, he has a New Jersey, New York accent, but he, it didn't seem like usually when you have the New York Jersey, Boston, whatever kid that goes across to Cali, it's the total opposite. It's like, he's kind of edgy and whatever he is. I, I was rewatching it. I was like, that kind of seems backwards. Oh, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. I didn't think of that. It didn't bother me. It just doesn't line up with the stereotypes that the kid that moves from New Jersey to Cali and like rolls with the punches compared to everyone else. But anyway, that's actually interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen the movie um, Airborne? Yes. <clears throat> the that That's like watching this. I was like, he seemed like the kid in Airborne who moved from Cali to Ohio, I think it is, where he's just like, I mean, obviously that kid had like surfer hair and everything like that, but it seemed very similar in his like laid back attitude. I actually, rewatching it, one thing I totally didn't remember was the swagger of Ralph Macchio. Oh, and he just pulled like, it off <clears throat> so well too. Like he, like, he, I felt like this kid was cool as all hell. I will say that people... I don't know. I don't even know if I want to say this, but <laughs> if I get it up, we get it up. It's real bad. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. If I was alive when this movie came out, and say I saw this when I was 18 or 19 or 20, and you offered me a chance to buy stock in Ralph Macchio as like a legit future superstar actor, I would have bought a shit ton of stock. And you would have lost it all. I know, I know, but it, but based on this movie, that's my point. Like based on this movie, he he really was like, he was. It wasn't just the movie; he's good in it, you know. And it I really is, yeah. So, uh, anyway, so major cast members and everything, how they were doing going into the movie. So Ralph Macchio, this is actually our second Ralph Macchio film after My Cousin Vinny. We've reviewed that one. <clears throat> he had The Outsiders in '83 before this, but uh, this is when he jumps to another level, uh, however brief his time on that <laughs> that, that, that level was. Um, he had Crossroads in 86 as well. And then also on TV, he had Eight is Enough, uh, Ugly Betty, and The Deuce. So Ralph Macchio will forever be Daniel LaRusso. It's not, you know, no no shame in that. Pat Morita, rest in peace to the late, great Pat Morita. I'm probably the only one, at least around our age, but when I see Pat Morita, because I didn't grow up with this movie that much. I actually think of him playing Arnold on Happy Days. I was just going to say, Happy Days is probably the thing I also... I, 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 I think of this movie when I see him, but I also love him in Happy Days. So Yeah, I used to watch Happy Days like all the time. Um, but he's, def- he's definitely more known <clears throat> as Mr. Miyagi, but uh, at least for people our age. If you look at the resume, and look at his resume, it's crazy the career that he had before this. It's also kind of rough because a lot of his roles especially ones before this were definitely tied to him being Asian, which isn't a problem, but some of them are even credited as like, he's on the credits, he's Asian guy or whatever. And when you think of when he started acting like late sixties 
and probably when he grew up, it probably wasn't an easy time to be Asian in America with everything going on. But, um, and we'll talk about one other aspect of his life later on that was tough, but, um, yeah, that's what Pat Morita was doing. He had a, he had a lot of work going in his movie, but nothing major, not too much major work. No, this is this was actually I read it actually just recently. I I think because of Cobra Kai when that started getting popular, that Pat Morita was this movie kind of saved him. He was at yeah. a real bad point in his life with drugs, alcohol, and whatever else. Yeah. But this role kind of like redeemed him, and it's awesome. Like it's an awesome story of how he like kind of you know he started off kind of big and then kind of got into some trouble and then yep. rose again. It's always yep. nice seeing hearing about those stories. Yeah. Especially with Pat Morita because he is so awesome. Yeah, and this movie is great. Um, you got nominated for an Oscar for this. You did. Yeah. So uh, William Zabka, a.k.a. Johnny Lawrence. After this, he had National Lampoon's European Vacation and some other smaller roles. Did you know that he was actually nominated for an Academy Award for co-writing and producing most in 2003? I didn't know that. No. Yeah, I didn't either. I was like, holy Lord, Johnny Lawrence. But yeah, so that, that that's good for him. And then the most... the the shining star of this movie, Elizabeth Shue, for me. Um, one of the biggest stars of the 80s. Karate Kid was her film debut. She also had Adventures in Babysitting, uh, Cocktail, Back to the Future 2 and 3 after she replaced Claudia Wells. And in the 90s, she had The Saint and a few others, but the 80s, she just owned the 80s. And I was trying to explain to my wife, like, I was just talking about how, I don't know what it is, but even to this day, I watch this movie and I'm like, and I'm saying I saw this movie when I was very young, so it's not weird because I know she was a high school girl in this movie. But I started like falling in love with Elizabeth Shue again because she's like the perfect. She's obviously a beautiful girl, but she seems like a real person. She doesn't seem. She's not like I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but yeah. I love Elizabeth Shue. And I also gotta say, you just plugged it because it's on my uh, eventual watch list. Adventures in Babysitting, man, that movie is. Oh yeah, amazing. yeah, yeah. I used yep. to love that movie growing up, so that will absolutely make this podcast at some point. That's another classic too. And Elizabeth Shue actually was, I read that she was attending, she had to leave Harvard to make this film. Wow. So, and when you consider this is her first, I think she had like a Burger King commercial or something before this and some other small stuff, but this is her, this is her big break. That's a, that's a ballsy maneuver that's to be a, like, that's a big I'm going to leave. Cause this could have ended up like, think about that. They call you and they're like, Oh, it's a movie about like a martial arts tournament and, whatever you're right. going to be the lead and but... there are no like headline acts like no like <clears throat> no. big 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 stars so it's right. like it's a huge risk she didn't yeah she didn't leave harvard to go do cocktail she with right. tom cruise she left harvard to go do this with ralph macchio no offense ralph um <laughs> do you have do you have anything down as far as like random facts i have a couple uh, um, okay cool so shoot you probably actually saw the, this one but um ralph macchio how, how old do you think he was when he filmed this did you see this did you see how old he was I, well, I'll let you. I'll let you say it. Yes, I did see this. This blew me away. I had no idea this was the case. Ralph Macchio was 22 during filming. Some of the cast did not believe him when they asked about his age, and I wouldn't have believed him if he told me his age. <laughs> so. I have to read what I wrote down about that. So I wrote down: Ralph Macchio was 22 was when filming. He had what's called the Joe face. Because <laughs> I know this is an audio format, and you guys don't know what Joe looks like. But Joe could film, you could film a movie right now and play a freshman in high school. And you're older than 22. Well, I'll take it as a compliment. So thank you. No, it is a, it is a compliment. <laughs> it is a compliment. 
but yeah, when I read that, I was like, oh my god, he's Joe's twin. That's why I run the mustache out because I had to like <laughs> yeah. prove myself. My friend, I'll. I don't know if I should even say this, but my friend, uh, I have a friend who's like the most baby faced person ever. And he grows this horrible, like you, I'm not saying this cause I'm talking to you. Your mustache is fine. You have a legit mustache. <laughs> this kid that I know has this horrible, like mustache goatee thing where it's just bad. And I would, <laughs> I would, I have said that to his face. I would say it to his face. So I didn't say his name on the podcast, so it's fine. But anyway, you have any other random facts? I do have one more. Um, the yellow classic automobile that Danielle polishes in the famous wax on wax off training scene, then later offered by Mr. Miyagi as Danielle's birthday gift, was actually given to Ralph Macchio by the producer, and he still owns it. The car is a 1948 Ford Super Deluxe. Deluxe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's D E space L U X C. So the, yeah, the we'll say, I want to say Deluxe, but I feel like yeah. that's not right. But anyways, no, I'm saying Deluxe. We're saying Deluxe. Okay, perfect. <laughs> It's kind of cool, though, because this car is actually, if you watch Cobra Kai, you see the car collection in Danielle's um, <clears throat> possession, and you get, you get like, little teases. I'm on the, I just finished the first season, but you get little teases that this car is in its possession still. You get, like, a little, little tease of it with, like, the um, tarp over it. So it's really cool how it's making its comeback still in, these, in this franchise. So I have a question about that. I didn't have this written down. How do you think Mr. Miyagi acquired all those cars? It's a good question because sure as hell think I'm as a maintenance worker. So right. that's a good question. And then I have a second question. Well, I have a few. The, you've, the, <laughs> the, okay. So Daniel's mother is having these car troubles, right? Yes. It I know. never you, occurs it, to anyone to be like, hey, like Mr. Miyagi, you, you've, you're you rebuilding cars like daily. You're a kid who can't yeah, drive yet a car. And he, the same night he brings to the carnival to let his girlfriend drive it that's what i was thinking too <laughs> like, Jesus. i was like that's such a 16 year old kid thing to do though is to just have no understanding of like and no appreciation for what you were given so he, yeah he's like this guy just gave me a brand new classic car i'm gonna let my not even really girlfriend this girl i've known for <laughs> they just got into a, just, they, just got, <laughs> they just got into a fight like moments right. before this right and i i thought Rewatching it, I was like, she's gonna back up, and because that scene where she backs out of the or pulls out of the parking space, I was waiting for someone to just t-bone them. But, but yeah, no, I agree. That I had other questions about the car, but uh, I might I might remember them later. But yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Do you have anything no, else? That's, you pretty much, that's pretty much all I had for facts. <clears throat> all right, so this should be this isn't as big as the other ones, but this should be the first random fact for the, for this film, for this podcast as two former video rental clerks. This was the top rental video of 1985. Oh, cool. Yep. Okay. So, so, so that, that's, that's a big one for us. So even though I wasn't working at the rental store in 1985, I was just born that year. But um, besides that, the role of Daniel LaRusso was actually, or was allegedly initially offered to Sean Penn. <clears throat> Sean Penn turned it down because he was all, he was trying to do more adult roles. Charlie Sheen also turned down the role and Re uh, Robert Downey Jr. was reportedly also tied to the role. I could see Charlie Sheen being Johnny, but I can't see, I know it's it, it, part of it is that it's tough because Charlie Sheen's obviously taken a weird turn, but yeah. even, even in his youth, I couldn't see him playing like pure smooth talking right. LaRusso, but. And I don't yeah. know what he looked like. I don't know what he looked like as a, as this, and during this age, but the body of Ralph 
Macho in this movie is super relatable. Like, let's be real. Like, we're yeah. not all going like Johnny. We're not all going no. like Ralph was like relatable. <laughs> we could all be Ralph with Mr. Miyagi's wisdom. <laughs> well, yeah, Johnny also was he watching him in this movie. I was like, that dude's an athlete. I saw that he wrestled, but just like the way he, he, he didn't do martial arts, he just wrestled, but just the way he like moved in the movie and like that kid is not you know this isn't his first time like he's 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 just moves like an athlete and he's huge yeah but yeah no i agree with you ralph macho looks much more like the average 16 year old kid um the character daniel lewis was actually originally supposed to be named daniel weber and i think they changed it because ralph macho looks more like a, a macho or something i don't know and then johnny lawrence how's this johnny lawrence was originally named Donald Rice. Ooh. Great decision to change that name. That <laughs> who, who thought is, that was a good idea to begin I with? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, so another casting possibility that kind of fell by the wayside. Sarah Jessica Parker was supposed to play um uh what's her name? Uh, Allie, uh, Allie's Allie. friend. Yeah. Oh, Allie's Elizabeth. friend, okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, she wasn't supposed to play Allie, she was supposed to play a friend, but which I think that would have been that would have been nice. Her her friend didn't have a huge part in the film, really. But it, I always like watching movies from the past and being like, oh, my God, I totally forgot that that kind of minor character was X. So now this is a, a big one. So the studio supposedly wanted to drop the scene where Miyagi gets like wasted. It's all waffled and starts talking about his his wife and kind of the war. They, they thought it slowed it down, but director uh, Avildsen, is that how you say his name, Avildsen? It's Avildsen, yeah. So Avildsen, it's Avildsen. Yeah. <clears throat> so he argued for it, and he has since felt that it was a scene that got Pat Morita nominated for the Oscar. And this is when I said I was going to get back to something about Pat Morita later. It was kind of sad to watch that scene after. I did a little bit of research into Pat Morita's life, and you kind of touched on it. He had a lot of he had a, some, I don't know, I, I guess he had some drug problems, but he definitely had drinking problems. So watching that after researching Pat Morita's life and death, because his death was not directly tied to drinking, but he died of something to do with like liver or kidney. So it definitely didn't help. So it kind of bummed me out. Um, it, yeah, that's pretty much it. it, it just, that's why this movie's that's why this movie's so good is because it, like it was his <laughs> redemption because this was like like he's like we talked about a few moments ago. This is like yeah. the thing that kind of brought him back up to who he wanted to be. Basically, I, I, I read about that, and there's also a documentary that came out again around the time that Cobra Kai was premiering. So it's kind of cool how like Pat Maria is getting <laughs> this positive spotlight again, right? And it kind of to kind of tie into that, we can end the random facts segment with this. Ralph Macchio actually paid tribute to Marita. Uh, by calling him my sensei during his eulogy at his funeral. And I think oh, he died wow. in 05, 2005, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So wow, yeah, that was really pretty great. cool. Yeah. So this, again, I'm going to go back to Cobra Kai real quick. I don't want to put the focus on that, but they do flashbacks and kind of like reminisce the past really well. And one of the episodes um, in the first season, Danny visits Miyagi's grave. And you get some really cool scenes in that. Yeah. And like, you really do feel it. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. That is that is a tough one. Bree and I, Bree was asking what we we're talking about tonight. And I told her Karate Kid. Bree's never seen the Karate Kid, which isn't that surprising. But um, that's kind of why I think I haven't gotten into Cobra Kai because I know I couldn't get Bree into it. Well, and so 
So she, if she does watch it without any, any idea of what the Karate Kid or the characters are, they do a really good job reminding viewers, uh, like flat with like if there's like something that's gonna happen, they'll get like a flashback of like the first movie during that scene. So like they do yep. a good job kind of bringing everyone on board with it. Okay. All right. Good to know. I'll, I'll shoot my shot after after we're finished Shit's Creek. I, I have a feeling I'm gonna go down in flames on that one, but <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a shot. Um, what do you have for uh, stuff that wouldn't fly today? Honestly, I didn't really have a whole lot. Um, I did make a note that it's kind of funny having this like motivational role model kind of be okay with having a kid drive around with no license. Um, but yeah. really, I, I didn't really think a whole lot was offensive or I think it could have come out today with, you know. So, yeah, I I, I have agree with what you said. And then I have it an honest question because I, I, I haven't seen, like I said, I haven't seen any of the Cobra Kai series or even the newer karate kid films like the, I, I, so for all I know, this could be in there, but do people have a problem with Miyagi's character? And what I'm asking is, so he says that he based it on Pat Morita says he based it on his, his uncle. So the accent and everything like that. And obviously Pat Morita is legitimately Asian. So it's not like, it's not like it's a it's someone of a different race playing an Asian, but I so I'm, I'm I don't know that people have a problem with it, but I could see some people being like, oh, it's a little bit exaggerated. But at the same time, he's Asian and he's right. basing on his uncle. So and this thing is still <clears throat> being shown on TV all the time, and you don't hear anyone like coming out like of the woodwork and right complaining about this and you know asking for like disclaimers beforehand or something. Right. It, it, like it, you it, said, I think it was like if it was like George Clooney playing, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Different scenario for sure. Or even like when we watched, um, when we watched, we did Indiana Jones and some of the guys in that who were supposed to be playing like the Tibetan people or they were like, it was like they took me and they put some right. bad makeup on. So yeah, it's not like that. But, um, and then the only other thing uh, tied to race, I would say is there is like those guys at the beach that they kind of give uh, Miyagi some, some crap and they make like an Asian joke, but then he which this would scare the shit out of me. If, if you were talking shit to someone and they cut, like they diced beer bottles tops off with their yes. hand, I'd be like, okay, not, mess, <laughs> not messing with that guy. Move along. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. And then I agree with you too, that it doesn't bother me as a 35 year old watching it, but it may concern me if I had a son, if Daniel was my son and a grown man that I don't really know was luring him into his backyard by fixing his bike and then having him do like yard work and basic carpentry and, and feeling him up when he gets a sore shoulder that the child labor might be a problem. And then also feeding him alcohol <laughs> might be a little bit of that a problem. It might be very from but the pond. Yes. It, that, but up until the alcohol and the feeling him up thing, it's kind of very similar to what people say about uh, doc in back to the future that like, they're like, so Marty's parents never thought it was weird that he was going over like crazy doc Brown's garage and just like, you know, they never saw him for whatever. So, but yeah, other than that, I mean, it, it ages pretty well. There's, there's always going to be something, but it ages pretty well. What do you have down for a favorite scene? I guarantee you don't have what I have. So I have, I love the scene when Daniel realizes all these so-called chores he was doing was really his training without him, even, you know, without him realizing it. Um, and it does really become a turning point for his character. And from that point on, he doesn't slow down. And again, the ending, the final act during the tournament is awesome. The whole good versus bad all comes into play during the final fights. And right from the start, through all the predictable cliches, you're rooting for this kid. 
And after a few dirty hits, Daniel powers through all of his setbacks and uses Miyagi's mentoring. Um, he's able to overcome all the odds and beat Johnny. And it's incredible. It's incredibly fitting that Johnny is the one at the end who hands the trophy off to Danielle after he wins. And he's like, you know, but you, you know, you're all right. I love that little moment of like, you know, because he knows what he was doing was was wrong, but he still does it and still goes through with it. So the fact that he passes it off is a nice like it's a nice little moment briefly. OK, I don't have this written down to talk later, but I'll tell you, I hate that scene because not because it's not a nice scene, because it's the most unrealistic thing in the history of film that a 17 year old like testosterone ridden kid who just who thought he was on top of the world he thought he was alpha male and he just gets knocked out by this like 127 pound kid is gonna like immediately be like you know what I agree with you that it's a nice gesture. Well, no, I think the thing that pushes that over that makes it seem so powerful is because the men, his mentor tells him to sweep the legs crease. and like the whole crease. Yeah. 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 Yep. And the whole thing is um, he, he like pauses for a second. You see in his face, like he's like, this is, he knows this is wrong. Like he, he wants, he wants to win the real way. So I think after he does that and, you know, attacks him kind of dirty and he still loses, I think that's almost like a, you know, this is it. Like he obviously was yeah. a better fighter. Who, who okay danielle was a better fighter in the end that's what i'm getting at but i think the whole like dirtiness <laughs> of his of his mentor kind of like makes him realize that and then yeah. that comes into play in the very beginning of part two but i get that that was the point of what they were trying to say but i wish that there was so they had this one of my problems with this movie is that they spent some time on stuff that i was like you probably could have cut trim that down a little bit they could have they should have had a 10 second scene where I'm trying to think of a movie where something like this happens, but a 10 second scene where his, his master comes over to him uh, where like crease goes over to Johnny and he's like, you embarrassed me or something like that. And then he stands up to. Well, see us. Have you seen part two? Cry kid part two. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. That's, that's how the movie starts off pretty much. Right. It's like, it right. continues right in that moment. Right. But it's just, it, when you watch this for the first time as someone like, if if you're if you get to that point as a competitive 17 year old, there's no way you're going from like 100 miles an hour to stopping on a dime and being like, you know what, I've been wrong the whole time, even though you should, but you won't. But anyway, but I, I agree with mostly other stuff you said. Uh, my favorite scene, and like I said, I don't think anyone else has picked the scene, but a few reasons because it was a nice gesture, because I love when people stick up for others, and because it was hilarious. It has to be when old man Miyagi climbs a fence and beats the shit out of a bunch of high school kids defending Daniel. I was cracking up, dude. It, especially where you see him climbing the fence in the background and and then he all the stuff about peaceful martial arts and everything, he doesn't like go down there and be like defense like, first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just like kicks a <laughs> kicks a 16-year-old in the head. But that would I love that, but then runner up, and, and if I had to pick a serious scene, and this is also I don't think one that most people would talk about, but I love when Daniel is telling his mom about Allie, and his mom is like asking him how pretty she is, and she's like prettier than Judy, and Daniel Daniel's like oh my she buries Judy. Their relationship was so believable, and that was such a nice like supportive mom moment that I really like that. So those are probably be my two favorite scenes. I know they're not as, they're not on the trailer probably, but um, you're the soundtrack, man. Do you have anything written down as far as soundtrack? 
Not really. I had this, I wrote down the score is pretty good. And I love the main theme that plays a couple of times of the film beginning. And I believe at the end, the best, um, then mix the in, best. Rise of say, then mix in with, uh, the rest is classic hype music. Like you're the best around, <laughs> so, yeah. which is like yep. a famous montage. Now was this, was this song, was that song famous because of this movie? Because of that yeah. clip? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that, and that song was actually originally written for Rocky three. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, which explains in the in the song it says history repeats itself, and that's why it says that. So, but the song got switched out for Eye of the Tiger, um, but then by Survivor, but then Survivor also performed the Moment of Truth, the theme song for the Karate Kid. So they're all, it's all just an eighties eighties you know tangled web. Because it's funny you you think of that song, you think of Karate Kid. It's like this this this, you think of that montage of him just kicking ass. Yes. No. One hundred percent. What do you have? If you could change one thing about this, what would you change? So maybe make Danielle a little less of an instigator, but this might also be the version of me talking. Who's been watching Cobra Kai? Johnny's without a doubt a dick in the film, and his friends are even worse. But Danielle isn't the great kid as it's thought to believe either. And watching it again after having Cobra Kai fresh in my mind has me picking out these little details now. Like in the scene when he's in the toilet, you know, just trying to go take a crap, whatever. Yeah. And no, he's trying to roll. He's rolling dance. a joint. Oh, is he rolling a joint? Yeah. And, okay. And, and, I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember. And then he has like. He and puts a hose on or something. Right. What does Danielle do? He gets a hose. Those guys like mind his own business in the stall. Like I got it. He's a dick. But again, he's an instigator. And yep. what happens after after he does this? He you know gets his ass kicked again outside. Yes. But yep. Danielle's a huge instigator, and I wish he was tone down a little bit so we can kind of feel for him because he is not the greatest kid either yeah he's a um, he's a he's a little shit like he's not, a little I, shit he really is yeah he's not a, he's not like i'm not saying he's a bad no bad not like kid, he's right. a little shit he that's is. like what you'd call him and like he, it's hard right, to feel right. bad from every time because he isn't this innocent innocent <laughs> either so it's like it's kind of funny like watching this now and like realizing like you know he is at fault sometimes too yeah, trying to steal his kid's girlfriend, like so. It's like it's a lot. It's a lot exactly. happening here. There's a lot happening in this whole this whole thing. So I agree with you. I I disagree with the whole because I've heard and read theories about like, oh, Daniel was actually the bad guy in Karate Kid, and I don't agree with that fully. But no. I do think he did some things that if you move into a new town and you do some stuff like that, and you you don't think that the high school boys are going to have a problem with you you're crazy. Like you're, <laughs> you're looking for trouble a little bit. So no, I totally agree. Um, one thing before I forget, because you just said the thing about stealing someone's girlfriend. One thing that was totally not believable about this film was, all right, Elizabeth Shue. Eli- okay. How do I say this? No one goes from dating. If you just think of your high school life, whoever the Johnny Lawrence was, girls don't go from dating the Johnny Lawrence to the, Daniel like it's kind of like when we talked about um in Nick and Nora it I didn't believe that Nick ever would have been dating who was his first girl in that that broke up with him what was her name oh my goodness what is her name whatever her name was yeah yeah so Nick it's not and it's not a looks thing it's like a high school hierarchy or like high school class type thing I just don't believe that a girl would be like oh I'm dating this giant meathead who looks like he's 36 and then they break up and you just move on to this to you know a realistic looking see the year. one of the friends though they they one of the <laughs> friends asks her what i don't know what she sees in him he's a good guy eric 
He's a good guy. He's not, though. (laughs) That's the whole joke. He's not. He's really not. (laughs) But, but, but yeah, no, that's, that's just, that's not, that's not my, if I could change nothing. That's just, it just came up. I also, Um, I also put down, again, this is not my thing, but you, people could also argue this film takes a little, a little bit to get going. But for me, I thought, I thought this movie did flow pretty well. It's a little long, two hours and six minutes, but I thought it flows really well. Like it felt like an hour and a half to me as I was, as I was watching it. Yeah, there, I think there was definitely stuff that could have been trimmed, but I can't think of it would have been like a scene here or a scene there. There wasn't there wasn't I know other people that have a problem with the opening of like the move across the country and whatever. And I'm like, I think they did that as fast as you could do it. So there might have been a few things that you could trim, like just shorten certain scenes, like trim them up a little bit. But I, I there wasn't there wasn't anything. There wasn't a ton of fluff, I guess, you know. But yeah, so I agree with you. Um, so my serious, if I could change one thing, the scene where Miyagi is drunk and thinking of his wife and child, if it was me, I would have separated that from the war background story, like just made it just about the wife and child, or I would have separated it from him being wasted and have that be like a sober moment. Like I get that he's drinking to because he's in, he's hurting and you know he's trying to feel better or whatever, but I think I would have felt worse for him if he was sober. Like to me, the gold standard for delivering bad news and stuff like that is uh, in Robin Williams and Goodwill Hunting when he's talking about how he's taking by his wife's side through cancer treatment and whatever. He's like stone sober, and it's so powerful because it just like you just understand, you feel like you feel what he was going through. But so I would have just changed that. I know it was a powerful scene, and most people think it got him the Oscar nomination, but I think it would have been more powerful if he was sober or if they just tweaked a few of the details but yeah yeah um but i get too that some people have to get drunk to get emotional especially miyagi he seems like pretty like he's afraid of himself yes exactly (laughs) so and then less serious thing minor change but i bring this up pretty much every time we do in 80s movies in the 80s was it impossible to find actors that looked anywhere near high school age macho looks great looks like a high school kid (laughs) shoe looks like a high school kid Johnny Lawrence and all of his buddies and pretty much everyone else in the background scenes look 30 years old. Dutch, who is actually played by Steve McQueen's son, Chad, was the worst. He looked like 40. That scene when he's in the locker room yelling at, at like trying to start a fight, I'm like, that looks like if I walked into that room, I'd be like this adult, like a father of a kid that's in the tournament is attacking this little boy. He had like an aging face, like yes. lines, like wrinkles <laughs> on his face because he was so old, I thought so. <laughs> And if you look him up now, he actually looks like, at least in recent pictures that I've seen of him, he looks almost younger now. Like he looks better. He looks better as a whatever he is, like 50 something year old than he did as a, I don't know how old he actually was when he made this movie. But yeah, that was brutal. So yeah, that, that, but that's it. The, my, the drunk scene, I would just tweak a little bit. That's my major one. Um, so if you've listened to the podcast before, this is the part of the show where we, give our score and review the movie. Would you mind paying a late fee? We rate movies on a scale of one to five. So a one is you're not even going to make it through Daniel's cross country trip from New Jersey to California. You're going to turn it off uh, all the way up to a five, which is you're going to keep it for an extra day or two or three to watch it again, have some friends watch it again. Maybe even you just buy it from the rental store. So it was my pick. So Joe's going to give his score first. Joe, what, uh, what do you think about Karate Kid? So this movie came out in 1984 but the wisdom of Mr. Miyagi hasn't aged a day and is still as motivational and impactful 
as it was in the 80s. Ralph Macho never had a lot of leading uh, leading major roles in his career beyond the Karate Kid, um, but he played Danny perfectly, and you really root for him early on. But this entire film comes down to Pat Morita. Without him, there is no Karate Kid, and there is no everlasting legacy. I give it a four point five. Whoa. Yeah. I think you're. I think you're probably. Yeah, that's probably how a lot of people feel. That's so. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't hate on that score. So, this movie is in my humble opinion, and I'm going to take shit for my score. I know that this movie is in my humble opinion, a bit overrated, but that said, it's also way better than I remembered it. So I think I just grew up. I didn't grow up with it. Like I said, I don't have the nostalgia. I didn't do, grow up doing karate. The positives though. I love Daniel's swagger. Like I talked about earlier. Sometimes, sometimes he comes off like a, a an asshole, but I do love, I like, I like his character, huge Elizabeth shoe fan. Like I mentioned, and I, and I always love a story of a kid sticking up for himself. Um, so I gave this a three out of five. And like I said, I know I'll take shit for it, but I do think I hold certain things against this movie. Just like, it's almost like it's been quoted so many times by people in obnoxious ways that I, I try to set that aside a little bit, but I do see why it's a classic. I, I, uh, it's, it's a great 80s movie. I agree with you with what you said about Marita. I think, like I said, I would have bought stock in Ralph Macchio. Um, Elizabeth Shue is great. I I it's I gave it a three out of five. It's I think that my opinion is so I think three out of five is what I gave Vision Quest. So this I is did, a I think, yeah. Yeah. So this is a better movie. I will admit, this is a better movie than Vision Quest, like as far as the acting, all that stuff, right? But I just don't have any I have nostalgia for Vision Quest. I don't really have much nostalgia for uh karate kid, so it kind of like flips it. And then the other thing is it is totally unrealistic to me that Daniel LaRusso with like, you know, a month of training would fight a grown man like Johnny Lawrence and all the other grown men that he beat. Who is the guy? Who is the, who is the, who is the, who is the guy he beat in like the semifinals? Um, the other Cobra Kai member? No, no, this guy wasn't Cobra Kai. He was wearing a white gi, like a white, but that guy, and he beat him like he owned him. He beat him like three. Now that I'm like, that guy would have kicked Ralph Macchio's head out of the gym. But yeah, no, but I, but I, I really enjoyed watching this movie. It was, it was exactly why we do this, this podcast, because I went into it thinking I was like going to have to like drag my way through it and be miserable. And I really enjoyed rewatching it. It's, it's not my favorite 80s movie, but I get the, I get the appeal. The, uh, not my dojo. New England IPA was great. It's from Sloop Brewing. I don't remember if I said that earlier. Sloop, S-L-O-O-P. Sounds like I'm drunk, but I'm, I'm not. That's how it's spelled. I had another one of their beers last week, and it was delicious, so they just continue to impress. So if you have access to it, I would definitely recommend either Not in My Dojo or any other beer from Sloop Brewing. Um, follow us on Instagram, especially if you're from my friend Brian. Send us a suggestion. Yeah, uh, and we'll, Brian. yeah, yeah. We'll uh, we'll put you to the top of the list. You can cut in front. Um, yeah, follow us on Instagram. Worth a late fee. Send the suggestions. If we don't get any suggestions, it's Joe's pick next. So, Joe, what are we? And I have no idea. Joe hasn't told me what he's picking. Joe, what are we? What are we Eric is going to pray that you guys give a recommendation, a suggestion, pretty soon because oh, he's going to be really disappointed with this one. But <laughs> I've had this as a reminder of myself for months and months and months and I had this date embedded in my head. So March 6th is a legend's birthday. All right. 
and that legend was in a movie. <laughs> Eric's face right now is all worried. I just love it. I'm so nervous. <laughs> so, this legend was also in a movie. This was on some rapping in his past, but we're going to move beyond that. And we're going to have a little deja vu and revisit Kazam. Oh, no. <laughs> so this has this movie has a little history with us. And because there's, it's Shaq's birthday, it felt fitting to revisit this with this podcast format now. So what Joe's talking about is when we first started thinking about doing the podcast, we were like, we can record an episode or two to practice and we'll just pick a movie that's complete garbage because we don't we don't no, care. I, I actually I actually remember liking <laughs> that movie. How I feel is with this upcoming viewing my chance. Oh no. But this was our very first test episode. Yes, it was. So now it'll we'll re- can we and just I'm release? going to I'm going to revisit this old episode and see what we gave it and then see how I might splice in some clips from the old one into this uh I don't remember episode. I don't remember. Did we even have? Um, was it even the same scoring format? I don't understand. It was. It was. Okay. It was. I, I do remember you gave it, and I thought, and I thought it was low back then. But thinking back at now, it might be about, might be about probably high. Yeah. <laughs> if I gave it anything higher than a one point five, it's probably high. <laughs> but all right, I guess we're watching Kazam. I'm so excited. Woo! <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys very much for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week with Kazam. All right, guys, as always, thank you.